And I'm telling you, we don't know. We're here today singing, there's nothing better than you, and you have no idea what tomorrow holds. You don't know if you're going to be here next Sunday. You don't know what's happening or what's coming, but let me tell you something, God knows. And he said, I've already gone before you to make the crooked places straight. He's made a way for us and his word is full of promises and all the promises of God are yes and amen. Let them be. And I'm here to declare to you today that your promise is on the way. Help is on the way. Comfort is on the way. Strength is on the way. Whatever you need, God is able. And I tell you what, just don't give up. I would encourage you today. We're going to look at a story in just a moment and just, just uh, of obstacles and going through and tragedy. But I'm telling you, God has a plan. Amen. I look across this crowd today. It's so wonderful to see you. We miss many. Still summer's here. Kids are back in school and the vacations are coming to an end and we're getting ready to go and finish this year out strong. Amen. And we're just clear, we've got so many exciting things between now and the end of the year that we don't want you to miss. And it's just wonderful to see you. are so glad to have Queen back. Amen from Zambia. So glad to see Sister Jane this morning. She's recovering. Johnny's recovering. So wonderful to have my mother-in-law uh, with me today. She's spent a couple of days with us and it's always an honor. And I know many of you have been praying for her. Continue to do that. God is so faithful. God is so faithful, and it's wonderful to see you. If you're a first-time guest, please stop by the, the Information Center. Miss Judy will greet you and got a gift for you. We're just honored that you're here. You're watching online. We welcome you. Thank you for allowing us to come into your home today. And we just want the Word of God to come into your house and bless you, bless your heart. Your promise is on the way. Amen. You know, perseverance... I can remember a lady uh, years ago came through and talked about tenacity, the ability to stick. I don't want to lose my stickiness. Amen? Because if you, you, if you lose, if, when tape loses its stickiness, what do you do with it? Just throw it away. Come on. I don't want to, I don't want to be thrown away. I want to stick till the end. I want to have the ability to persevere, not to give up. When hardships come, when trouble comes, I don't just want to, the, the first little sign of trouble, many people throw their hands up and run away. You know, if you've ever sold anything, you know, uh, they, they say that you're, you know, you're looking for a hundred no's. Because within those those no's, you're going to get a few yeses. And there was a, a, a salesman, and he was very persistent. And he came to this a business, and uh, he asked for the boss. And the secretary uh, was told by the boss, uh, I'm sorry, he is not in his office. The salesman just sat there. One hour. Two hours. Three hours. Finally, the boss rang the secretary and said, you know, I'm just tired of being a prisoner in my own office. Just let him in. So he came in and the boss asked the salesman, said, you know, my, my secretary told you that I was out. Uh, how did you know that I was here? Easy, said the salesman. Your secretary was working. It's amazing sometimes when the boss is away, not everybody continues to work. But are we working while the master's away? 
Are we persevering? Jesus gave us a hope one day that he is going to return. And I mean, he, well, heaven's going to be wonderful, everything. But he said, here on this earth, occupy until I come. And there are some things that we've got to do, things you've got to do, if we're going to persevere, because he said, he that endureth till the end. So we can't give up in the middle. We can't give up right at the end of the race. We have got to be willing to cross the finish line no matter what it takes. I love watching the videos, reading the stories of great runners and great Olympians who came for a purpose to win. But because of tragedy, because of accidents, because of falling down and injury, they were totally out of the race. But they kept running. They kept going. And interviews afterwards and talking to them, why? Why did you quit? One man from Nairobi, I believe, they said, why? I mean, everyone had left the stands. He was injured and bloody and he came limping across. And they said, why didn't you quit? Why didn't you give up? He said, my country sent me to finish a race. He has sent us here today to finish a race, not just begin. Not just because times gets harder, injury or difficulties. Do we quit and give up in the middle? But I'm telling you, we've got to persevere. Many of you are going to remember this like it was yesterday. I was just a teenager, but I remember it. 1987, Jessica fell in the well. You remember 1987, Jessica McClure fell in a well, a a, a pipe about 8 inches diameter, about 22 feet deep in Midland, Texas. All of a sudden, word spreads and news media begin to show up. And pretty soon, all of the world, at least the U.S., was watching Jessica in the well. Total darkness, broken arm, unable to move. And we all heard as she began to sing nursery rhymes to herself. Went around the world. People's praying. People begin to get focused on getting Jessica out of the well. His family's distraught, asking for help. They bring in the heavy machinery. They say, this is going to be easy. We're just going to drill down. We're going to drill over. And we're going to open a hole and we're going to get her. Sounded simple until they hit limestone and it stopped the machines. Hours pass, hours pass, more news media, more spread across the world. And it was Ronald Reagan that said everybody in America became godmothers and godfathers to little Jessica. We felt like we were a part of it. People began to pray. When they finally brought her up out of that well, cameras flashed. People were crying. The parents were crying. The news media was crying. All the people, the workers were crying to see this little girl lifted out. And America rejoiced. Talk to you, tell you a little story this morning about another little girl whose parents were desperately trying to save her life. If you're a parent, You know the horrors of having a child in need. I read a statement this week that I I, I truly believe. No parent prays harder than the parents of grown children. (laughs) When no longer you're the one able to 
fix them and take care of them and protect them. Mark chapter 5, we're going to read a few verses, skip a few verses, read a few more. We're going to start reading in chapter 5. And we're going to talk about this story today. I'm going to tell you today that there's a promise coming down your dusty road. There's a promise that God has made of protection, of help, of strength. God has made you a promise that He would watch over you. He would keep you. And He said, this promise is not to you, but it's to you, your children, your children's children. As to many as call upon the name of the Lord. He said, I will send the Holy Spirit to comfort, to guide, to lead, to protect. And God's promises will not go unfulfilled. He said his promises are not like others who, who, who seem like they're slack concerning God's promises. But God will keep his word. But you know, God's time is not your time. I just talked to a pastor today. Or I'm not sorry, today, this week. On Thursday. And uh, he called me from um, another state. And I actually, I'm, I'm on the board, the interview board for the ministerial uh, uh, licenses board of World Ministry Fellowship in North Carolina. Thank you. And so I had interviewed him and he had moved. He was already licensed and ordained and he moved his ordination over into World Ministry Fellowship. And I interviewed him and talked to him about all of his ministry and what God is doing. And he began to tell me about where their church was at and they were coming to an end and they needed another place. He called me this week and he said, Pastor, I wanted to let you know what happened because I'm beginning, we begin to pray, we've been asking the Lord and nothing happened. We had no place to go, no building, no facilities and we had our last service in the building we were in, the contract was up, last service and after the service, a man walked up with another building. I told him, I said, you know what? It's amazing how God's not usually early, but he's never late. He's right on time. We serve an on-time God. God knows what's coming. Nothing has surprised him. Amen. He has been watching. He knows all about your life. Mark chapter 5. When Jesus had again crossed over the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was at the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come, put your hands on her so that she may be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. There's a big break in there we're going to talk about later. Then verse 35, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and said, your daughter is dead. They said, why bother the master anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion. People crying and walking and wailing loudly. And he went in and said unto them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. And he put them all out. 
He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him. And they went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. And this, at this, they were completely astonished. If you're a parent this morning, if you have a child, a grandchild, amen, you can understand if they've ever been through anything, any kind of sickness, any kind of trouble, uh, you know the passion that this family felt that day. No one likes to hear a bad report. No one likes to hear the report of sickness or disease or death. But this was the diagnosis that they received. But I just want to jump a little head a little bit and just tell you the word of God said, whose report will you believe? For the report of the Lord says, I am healed. Come on, we've got to begin. We, we can look at the report and we can see what it says. But you know what? I don't have to put all my faith in the bad report. I'm going to put my faith in the one that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all I ask or think. Here, Jarius was a leader in the temple. He was not just a normal person. He had rank in the community. He had standing in the church. He had responsibility and duties. And he had people looking up to him. And he knew how the synagogue, the Sanhedrin, the scribes, the Pharisees. He knew all how they felt about Jesus and how he was causing a commotion and how he was upsetting the people of the day. But I'm telling you, when he tried everything, amen, when they couldn't help, he said, I've got to go outside of here and find somebody that can. When you get desperate, you will look anywhere you can for the answers. When dead religion... When dead things, when, when just form and ritual, amen, is not satisfying, amen. He said, I've got to go find somebody that I heard, amen, about. I've seen what he can do with others. And you know what? I've got to find out for myself. How did Jairus approach Jesus? You know, the New Testament tells us about a lot of people who came to Jesus and demanded a miracle and didn't get it you know my, my, my father uh, was such a generous man he gave to everyone only one time in my life do I ever remember him not and it was when a man walked up to him and demanded that he give him some money That's the only time I ever saw my daddy deny somebody. It's when he walked up and said, give me some money. And dad, I'll tell you the rest of the story. Daddy reached over. He had a pack of cigarettes in his pocket. Daddy reached over and tapped him and said, stop smoking. You'll have some money. <laughs> that's, the, that's the only time I ever saw my daddy tell anybody no. He was so generous uh, of just giving and such a man of blessing. 
This the same thing happened to Jesus. Many came, if you, you, I wouldn't have time to read it. Matthew chapter 12, scribes and Pharisees came, demanded that he do a miracle. He wouldn't do it. Matthew 16, 1, the Pharisees and Sadducees again. John 2, 18, the Jewish leaders uh, during the cleansing of the temple. They, they came and they demanded, do something, show us something. And he wouldn't do it. But Jairus, he came. He didn't demand. He didn't say, you owe me. He didn't say... I deserve this. He didn't say my little girl didn't do anything to deserve this. He came and he humbly fell at Jesus' feet. I'm going to tell you something. Up to this time, you don't, you don't really see any acts of humility. In the, in the, in, in the church, in religion, there was Piety. They, they, they wore their long robes and they wore all their garments and they went out into the public and they looked the part, acted the part, and they elevated themselves above others, even to the point of prayer that they would look and say, Thank God I'm not like them. But this man came and humbled himself and knelt. He fell at the feet of Jesus and he said, My daughter is dying. But I believe. I have faith. I know that if you'll come and lay your hands on her. You know, the Bible says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I'm telling you, there's something that the Bible says, humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. God's hand is mighty. He can reach far, but he's looking for somebody that'll humble themselves and not come and say, you you give me this because I deserve it. Oh, listen, we don't deserve anything but death and hell. It's by the grace of God that we have eternal life. It's by the grace of God that we have salvation. It's by his grace that we have healing and forgiveness. Amen. We got to come and we got to humble ourselves before God and go, Lord, I don't deserve it. But I know you're able. Amen. Amen. He prayed. He sought earnestly. He came and he pleaded earnestly with him. The new, the new living said. And I'm sorry, the NIV. The, the King James says he besought him greatly. How are you beseeching God? Do you just come and say, hey God, if you have time, if you get a chance, uh, if you get around to it, I have a need. Or are you like that little woman who came to the unjust judge and she just bugged the fire out of him every day? Come on, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me, give it. Lord, I need, come on, I need it. I need a miracle. I need, I've I've been done wrong. And and the judge said, you know what, ma'am? I don't fear God and I don't fear you, but you're driving me crazy. And just to get you out of my hair. Just to get you off my back, I'm going to answer your petition. And the Bible says, how much more would a, does a loving God who does love us and does care about us, when we come to Him, amen, and we seek Him earnestly, will He not answer our prayer and make our petition known? I mean, when you understand, I mean, you, you, you think about, they des, they, we describe the terrible grief of this child. He says, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. He was a righteous man. He was a leader in the temple. He loved God. He was doing everything he knew to do, still to no avail. His daughter still lying, dying. There's times when we do all we can do. And then we have to place them in the hands of God. And we've got to say, God, I've done all I can do. But I know this is just where you start. 
See, when you've exhausted all of your resources and all of your uh, ability, God's just getting started. And He has an unlimited supply of resources. And He is able. And He came and He said, Lord, I'm beseeching you and I'm, I'm begging you and I'm asking you. I know you can do it. Verse 23. He verbalized His faith. He spoke and he said, here's what I know. If you will come, put your hands on her, you will heal her. She will live. Come on, you've got to begin to verbalize your faith. The Bible talks about Abraham. And I've told you this so many times about daddy when he had his stroke. And uh, we were living on this side of the church. They were up there. Mama called and said, hey, get up here. Something's happening. I get up there and and the, the, the stroke, he's having a stroke. And his leg is going numb and it begins to move up. And right there in that living room, we begin to cry out to God. And we begin to pray and we begin to rebuke that thing. And that it got up to his hip and stopped. When we got him to the hospital, they checked he had a major stroke and a major blood bleed. And the doctor said, I've never seen one, a stroke of this magnitude not come up and affect the entire side. His speech, his face, his arm. It stopped at his hip. And so, every day I would go in there and daddy would look at his foot. It was dead. It wouldn't move. Nothing would happen. And daddy would say, son, I'm believing just as Abraham, I'm counting those things that are not as though they were. And he would say, toe, move. Day by day by day, I went to the hospital and we visited and we prayed. And I'll never forget the day I walked in his room. He said, son, look. And he threw the sheet back and he wiggled his big toe. He began to call those things that were not. He began to say, Lord, I I don't see it, yet I believe it. I'm verbalizing, I'm vocalizing, I am declaring my faith. I know what can happen. I see the death, I see the pain, I know that she's dying. But I'm saying that if you'll just come, if you'll show up, if you'll lay your hands on her, she'll live. He declared what he knew could happen, not even knowing if it would. But we have a God. Somebody say, we have a God. Oh, Romans 10, 8 through 10 said, Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, ask in faith. What will the result be? Amen. He'll do it. Jesus said, is there, he, according to Matthew 9, Jesus was right in the middle of teaching. said, while he yet spoke these things. Right in the middle, I'm telling you. You, you, know, you want to get God to stop in the middle of what he's doing and turn and see what's happening? You just vocalize your faith. I'm telling you, need doesn't move God. He sees it. He sees the needs all over the world. He knows there's need. But that's not what moves his heart to action. It's faith that moves God's hand. Need moves God's heart. He's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He weeps when we weep. He sees it. But it's faith that moves the hand of God to change it. We've got to begin to vocalize our faith and say, God, I don't care what the world's saying. I don't care what they're talking about. I don't, we're not, I'm not going under. I'm going over. I'm more than an overcomer. You are good. And you're never going to let me down regardless of what I see. Because I'm not going by feeling. I'm walking by faith. What's faith? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not 
seen. If you can see it, you don't need faith for it. It's those things that you can't see. How's that going to work out? How's this going to end up? How's this going to happen? How's that new job coming? How's that relationship going to be healed? How's that child going to come back home? What's going to happen? I can't see it. That's where your faith comes in. And then you begin to vocalize and begin to declare what you want to see, what you want to happen before it ever happens. You see, because if you don't get anything else I say today, get this. Jesus cares. He cares. He's touched, I said, with the feelings of our infirmity. He knows it breaks his heart. He stood at the grave of Lazarus before he raised him from the dead and he wept. He doesn't like to see his friends and family and children in need. It hurts his heart. But yet God is able to speak through that and over that. And what did he say? Lazarus, come forth. When everybody else said, no, 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 don't, don't roll that rock away. That dude stinks. He's been dead too long. No, 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 no. He's been dead just long enough. Because see, in that time, they believed up to three days a spirit could come back into a man. But on the fourth day, all hope was gone. Jesus did not do it within the three days that they said things could happen and it could come back into your heart. Amy just read a thing. She just read it. I saw it. Uh, she read it to me uh, and, and Darlene last night uh, where this man, he was out researching. He was out. He was an a, a archaeologist. And they dug up this tomb and found this guy over 200 years old. And he thought he was a mummy. And he began to, he began to live and develop and look. And, and he had a heartbeat. He had a pulse. And he began to look and realize this guy was alive. And then it said, don't believe all the junk you read on Facebook. It's not true. (laughs) But it's still possible with God. (laughs) But that story wasn't true. But man, it sure had me and I was thinking, wow. That's awesome. (laughs) Listen, Jesus cares. He cares about what you're going through. He sees your heart. He hears your cry. He sees your tears. And He cares. And He will come to you in the midst of your crisis. He will come to your house. He will come to your job. He will get involved in your marriage. He will get involved in your children's situation. Love comes down. It doesn't just stay up in heaven and look down and go, isn't that a shame? But love came down in the form of Jesus. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Love comes down. There was a a toddler. And you know how toddlers are. Sometimes they're very stubborn and disobedient and this little boy was probably like me when I was little and his mama had punished him and put him in the crib in a time out and told him you cannot get out and he began to cry grandpa heard him and grandpa touched with a cry wanted to get him out but mama said no no he's been a bad boy Grandpa realizing I can't go over 
parents' authority and that's teaching a bad bad thing there. But Grandpa's heart couldn't take that crying. So Grandpa crawled over in the crib with him. The Grandpa realized that he he needed to be punished. But Grandpa said, "I'll, I'll suffer with him. You see, sometimes we've got to be punished. Sometimes we do things that bring consequences on us. But God never leaves us alone. He crawls in the crib with us. He Love came down. He didn't just say, you know what, you've been a bad people. I'm just going to... No, no, no. He came down and He walked among us. And He died for our sins. He heard the cry of humanity. And He came down. What? Let's, let's, let's just look at all the, the discouragements that faced Jarius. Jarius went through some difficulties and some discouragement that would have stopped most people. You know, if your need is not really desperate, simple things can stop you. But when you're really desperate, when you know that nothing else can help, you've got to get to Jesus. Life's troubles are not going to stop you. What happened to Jairus? First of all, he, he, he began to come to Jesus and the Bible says that there was a tremendous crowd. This huge crowd gathered around uh, Jesus. He just came back from the lake. He'd been over in the, the Gennesaret. He had just cast the devils out of the, the demon possessed man in the tombs. And he came back across and this great crowd gets around Jesus. And so now then Jairus can't get to Jesus. So his first uh, situation was, Lord, I I need to get there. I need to tell Jesus about my daughter. I need to invite him in. But I can't even get to him because everybody else is in my way. Has anybody ever got in your way? You couldn't get to Jesus? Luke said it as Jesus went his way. The crowds almost crushed him. I mean, that's a crowd right there. You ever, you, you ever been in, have a, in an emergency, need to get somewhere, and got stuck in a traffic jam? That's frustrating. You need to get to where you're going, and these people in front of me don't know that I'm in an emergency, and they're just taking their time. I don't know why they call it rush hour. Half the time you're, not, you're just sitting. Nobody's rushing anywhere. You're stuck in traffic and you just look around and you can't move. And here Jairus was stuck. And he's like, I can't even get to Jesus. But you know what? He had to make extra effort. Sometimes getting to get into Jesus is not easy. Sometimes you have to go the extra mile. Sometimes you've got to elbow some folks. It's always polite to say, excuse me, after you shove them out of the way. But listen, you've got, to, you've got to get desperate and you've got to go, look, that, that person right there, they're just a spectator. All they want to do is go home and say, hey, I saw Jesus, but I've got a need. And I'm not going to let spectators get in the way of my miracle. And you've got to press your way until you can get close enough to present your need. Jarius knew every second counted his daughter's life was slipping away. He was surrounded by a mob and it brought him to a standstill. And then the crowd begins to move. 
Jairus is excited. He's happy. He begins to weave his way closer and closer to Jesus. And he finally gets there and says, Jesus, my daughter's dying, but if you'll come, I know that you can lay hands on her. I know she'll be healed. And Jesus said, okay, we'll go. And here they begin to go and they begin to head toward their house. And then all of a sudden, there's a woman with a problem. You say, Pastor, what woman? What problem? It could be any woman with any problem. It could be any man, any teenager, any child. Everybody has a problem. Don't get, you, isn't it frustrating when you have a problem and somebody else has one too? Isn't it, isn't it frustrating when you want to tell somebody about your problem, but then they in return want to tell you about theirs? Everybody's got problems. But not everybody gets their answer because they give up. Right in the middle of his miracle. Yes, I got Jesus. I told him my need. We're headed in the direction of my house. And all of a sudden, Jesus stops. Looks around and says, who touched me? His disciples said, Lord, everybody's touching you. This crowd is thronging. I mean, everybody's trying to reach out and touch. I mean, you'd have thought he was Elvis or something. Crowd was going crazy and wild and all the and you want to say, Who touched me? Jesus said, No. Nah, I'm not talking about that natural, hey, I touched Jesus. I'm not talking about j- j- just a, 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 a passing blow or a, a, somebody rubbed against me. Someone touched me in faith. Because I felt healing virtue flow out of my body. Who has that kind of faith in this crowd? And this little woman came and fell at his feet. First of all, she wasn't supposed to be out in public. She had an illness. She had been bleeding. She had went to every doctor, spent her whole fortune. There was no hope Go home and die. But she heard that Jesus was passing that way. And she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be whole. She vocalized her faith. Here's a man coming, vocalizing his faith. But here's a woman. I'm telling you, Jesus has enough. There's people all around with needs. But who is it going to step out of the crowd and go beyond just the need and vocalize their faith and say, if I can just touch Jesus. But here Jarius is having to Face one thing after another. I mean, he's already a, a synagogue. There's the, the scribes and Pharisees are there. They already know he's there. Now then, I'm fixing to get kicked out of the synagogue. Because I'm coming to this man who all, they've all disavowed. Now we're trying to get to my house. Now this woman stops me. And what I'm believing for, he gave to her. Can I tell you today? Nobody's taking your, mess, your miracle. Oh, the song says, we sing it sometime. There's a miracle in the making. One for you. The Father is working even now. Your prayer has been heard. The answer's on the way. 
There's a miracle in the making for you today. Nobody's taking your miracle. God has plenty. Amen. He just, he's looking for people who's reaching out in faith. And while they're on the way. Amen. Jarius, I've got him right where I want him. We're in the right direction. And then somebody stops him. But somebody stopped him in faith. And they got their miracle. And then somebody whispered in his ear. Your daughter's dead. Don't bother Jesus anymore. Don't bother the master. And all of a sudden now these more distractions. More disappointments. Why trouble the master? I mean, reasonable question. She was alive and there was hope. But now your situation is hopeless, Jairus. Just go, go ahead and turn. Go on home. Let, let, let people rejoice with this lady's miracle. But you go on home and you go ahead and plan the funeral. What you came for, you didn't get. But that's okay. There will be another time, another opportunity. But Jesus heard it. I'm telling you, the devil. there's nothing the devil can whisper in your ear that Jesus doesn't hear. There's no lie the devil can tell you, amen, that God didn't already know it and declared it from the beginning. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. Amen. Don't listen to him. When the devil says there's no hope, don't bother Jesus with it. And all of a sudden, you start getting all these questions and you start thinking, oh, this is reasonable. I mean, there's no urgency now. Uh, Other people need Jesus more than my daughter. She's dead. You know what? He's probably tired anyway. He doesn't want to go. And you know, the truth is... I don't know if he'd have did it anyway. I'm really not worthy. And we have all these things that come to our mind. And Jesus heard it. It didn't matter that the crowd was around him. It didn't matter that this woman was being healed and healed right there. And people were rejoicing. He turned. Because God, when he knows that you're about to give up, he is speaking to you today. You're about at the end of your rope and you want to quit. You're listening, you're watching right now. And you want to give up and give out and run away. Amen. And take your own life. But I'm telling you today, Jesus is speaking to you. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't be discouraged. Jesus listened and spoke to him. Right in the middle. His lowest point. You know what Jarius had to do? Jarius had to ignore all that the enemy was saying. Jarius had to ignore the crowd. He had to ignore the distractions. He had to ignore that person in his ear saying, Your daughter's dead. Don't bother the master. Who am I going to believe? Jesus said, Jairus, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't quit on me now. We're almost there. Just believe. Lord, what am I believing for? What am I believing for? How long is this going to be? And then they started moving again. They get to the house. And now then there's weeping and there's wailing and there's crying What are you going to do? 
What are you going to do when death knocks on your door? What are you going to do when a disappointing uh, diagnosis comes? What are you going to do when, when, when you don't know what to do? I'm telling you, Jesus said, keep believing. Just don't give up trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Proverbs 3 says, and lean not onto your own understanding. What do we do? What do you do when your car breaks down? What do you do when your kid goes to jail? What do you do, amen, when, you're, when, when you've got a uh, rebellion? What do you do when your marriage seems dead and falling apart? What do you do when you've got family members on drugs? What do you do when you're finally finances are at their lowest and you lost your job. What do you do when you got that report that says you're not going to make it? What are you going to do? You have two choices. You can believe the report or you can hear Jesus. Just believe. Just believe. I like it, Jesus, Jesus went in the house. He heard that weeping. He said, what are y'all crying for? She's dead. Jesus said, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. And they went from crying to laughing. <laughs> you crazy man. We know what death looks like. Jesus had already said it at the grave of Lazarus. I am the resurrection and the life. In my presence, death can't stand because life is in me. Cherish just keeps hearing it. Do not be afraid. Just believe. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid of the crowd. Don't be afraid of others that, that reach out. Don't be afraid of that person in your ear saying, quit, give up. It's hopeless. Don't give up when you get to your house and people are crying, saying she's dead. And you know what Jesus did? He put them all out. Oh, come on, church. It, it's, it's time we start putting some folks out. Come on, listen. If you're going to act like that, go act like that at your house. If you want to be a doubter and a powder and a do-without her, go do it on your own time. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to trust the Lord. We're going to believe the Lord. If you can't have faith with me, then just move on down the road. Jesus put them out. But he took that mama and that daddy, and those three disciples, miracle workers in training. See, that's what we are. Amen. God is showing, He's showing us things. Amen. We've all seen miracles and we've seen God do things. He's just training you for when you have to do it. We heard the the man speak at a conference. Uh, I just went blank on his name. Andrew Womack. Thank you. And he was talking about before he ever raised the first person from the dead. And he he has spoke to death and rose several people from the dead. But he said before he ever did it, he visualized it. He spoke it. He declared it. He read every story where Jesus did it. And he began to act like he was doing it. He even laid on a bed and stretched himself out just like Elijah did. He did everything like the people did. And he spoke it and he visualized it. And then he said when he came face to face with death the first time, he had already visualized it. He had already declared it. He had already saw himself doing it. Amen. He just said, death, I rebuke you. And they rose. And since then, he's raised several more people from the dead. But he said before it ever happened, he saw himself doing it. Would you want to be like a Smith Wigglesworth? Powerful man of God. He called him camel knees. His knees were flat because he stayed on his knees so much. 
Such a powerful man of God that one, one, one night the devil entered his room. That spirit, his bed began to shake and it began to move across the room. And he sat up and said, devil, I rebuke you. Get out of here. The bed settled down. And then Smith Wigglesworth said, devil, get back in here. And about that time that presence came back, he said, my bed was over there. And the bed boo, 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 went right back. True story. All these are documented. Smith came home one day to find his wife dead. She had died. Just like this little girl. People were there to greet him, weeping, crying. Your wife has died. He walked in that room and he said, Death, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. He called her name and said, Rise. And the spirit of life came back in her and she sat up and looked at him and said, Smith, why in the world did you do that? And they sat and they talked a few minutes and he told her bye. And she lay back down and died. Documented true fact story. I'm telling you, the power, what are you going to believe? Begin to vocalize your faith. Begin to declare what you want to see. And begin to call it happen. And so now then Jesus is walking in that room and here this little girl is laying dead Jesus said, she's not dead, she's just asleep. And Jesus walked up to her and took her by the hand. Talitha Kuma, little girl, rise. And she sat up. And they were all shocked. Has God ever done anything that shocked you? You asked for the miracle. You prayed for the miracle. Remember when they were praying the disciple, uh, pray, praying for the man of God that was in prison? And then he showed up, knocked on the door, and they said, it's a ghost. It's amazing how we pray for something, then when it happens, we go, I can't believe it. Listen, we've got to begin to believe. And then when we see it, say, that's exactly what I prayed for. I'm not shocked. I'm not astonished. And the Bible says the little girl was 12 years old. And what do 12-year-olds want to do? Jesus knew it. Jesus said, give that girl something to eat. They probably fixed her a tamale, enchilada, pupusa. Some fajitas, beans and rice. I don't know what, what they fixed her. All the things I like. They might have gave her a donut. Who knows? Don't be afraid. Jarius, don't be afraid. Jesus heard those whispers. And right in the midst, he spun around. Jarius, don't be afraid. Just believe. I'm telling you today, parents, don't be afraid. Just believe. Pastor, you're going to like this story. Pastor's from Brazil. You know the architect, Hitor de Silva Costa? He's the, the man that designed that big statue of Jesus that stands over Rio de Janeiro. And when he began to design that, what he hoped... His hope, he said, was for the city dwellers would view the setting sun, or they would view Jesus as the sun came up, and it would be the first thing on their mind. And he said, at dawn, at, at dusk, the city dwellers would view the sun, setting sun as a halo beside, behind the statue's head. And he said, I hope it would be the first thing and the last thing on the people of Rio de Janeiro's, Rio de Janeiro's mind every day Jesus would be the first thing on their mind and Jesus would be the last thing on their mind 
I'm telling you, there's value in keeping your eyes on Jesus. There's value in pressing through the crowd, not giving up, not letting people discourage you. Vocalize your faith, declare what you want to see, and do it just like Jairus. How did he do it? He humbled himself. He called earnestly on God. He, he verbalized his faith. He, he believed despite others' doubt. And he realized that, you know what? Trials, tribulation, trouble, they're just an opportunity to grow. Listen, your, your trouble didn't come to kill you. It came to make you stronger. It came to give you opportunity to trust and have faith. Sometimes, in the midst of the trouble, sometimes you go, but I don't hear God. Come on, come on, listen, teachers. Teachers, talk, 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 talk. Until test time. And then they don't say a word. Jesus has talked and talked and talked and gave you his word and told you. And when you don't hear nothing, it's because you're in test time. But he's already taught you what to do. You just got to be confident in your faith and do it. He's still there. You're just in the time of testing. But God said, my grace is sufficient. He's a refuge, a very present help in the time of trouble. Last scripture. Do not fear. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep you away. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Can I get a big amen? Amen. amen. Come here, baby. We're going to sing y'all a little song. Can we sing y'all a little song? Is that all right? This Amy said, if you preach this story, then we'll sing this song. So I preached the story now. We're going to sing the song. We sang it Wednesday night, but we sure didn't do a very good job of it. We're going to do it again. Luke, this is orange. All right. Hey, I'm going to turn this one on. All right, y'all ready? Let's preach this story one more time. Go ahead. Hit the cassette tape. This tape's only 30 years old plus. Well, a hand of fear gripped the crowd that day at Jerry's home. When the doctor sadly said, your daughter's gone. You can hear the parents' heartbreak. You can hear them cry and moan. Cause the little girl was only 12 years old. But somewhere in the distance, outlined against the sun, came a man on the mission from the throne. And they said somebody's coming. Oh, but what they did not know was the promise coming down that dusty road. Oh, there's a promise coming down your dusty road. From his holy hands, healing virtue flows. He holds the key to what you need. Death and hell he will defeat. There's a promise coming down your dusty road.
world they're crying turned to laughter when Jesus began to speak. He said, the little girl's not dead, she's just asleep. Then he turned to that multitude and told them to go home. Just close the door, leave death and me alone. Then he laid his hands upon that child, looked death right in the eye. Said, all power in heaven and earth give unto me. Oh, with a voice that sound like thunder, he put old death asunder. And he said, little girl, rise and be healed. Oh, there's a promise coming down your dusty road. From his holy hands, healing virtue flows. He holds the key to what you need. Death and hell he will defeat. There's a promise coming down your dusty road. There's a promise coming down your dusty road. From his holy hands, healing virtue flows. He holds the key to what you need. Death and hell he will defeat. There's a promise coming down. Come on, stand to your feet this morning and sing it. Oh, there's a promise coming down your dusty road. From his holy hands, healing virtue flows. He holds the key to what you need. Death and hell he will defeat. There's a promise coming down your dusty road. Oh, there's a promise coming down your dusty road. Somebody shout hallelujah. Amen. Father, this morning, all across this auditorium, Lord, there's people that are desperate. Father, they have a need. Their family has a need. Their child has a need. Their spouse, their, their, their marriage, their business, their finances, their health. Lord, they're in need of a miracle. But I thank you today, Lord, that they're going to do just like Jarius. Father, right now we're coming humbly. We bow our knee at your feet and say, you are King of kings and Lord of lords. But Father, we begin to vocalize our faith. There's a promise coming down my dusty road. Father, there may be weeping, there may be wailing. There may be some saying that this situation is over and dead. But I hear the voice of Jesus today speaking into your life. Don't be afraid. Just believe. And Father, today we stand right there in that room with Jesus. As he says, little girl, rise. Father, we stand in our faith right beside you. When you speak into my situation, into my life, into my health, into my family. And Father, I thank you today. I believe it before I see it. I declare it before it even happens. I put my faith in Jesus Christ alone that is able. And today... We call it done. Everybody say, Jesus, I put my trust in you. I humble myself before you. I walk with you. I will not fear. I will not be afraid. I will not give up because you're coming. And when you get there, you're going to change everything. So my faith begins to see things changed today. 
in Jesus' name. Amen.